Welcome to Life After Business, the podcast, where I bring you all the information you need to exit your company and explore what life can be like on the other side. This is Ryan Tansom, your host, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome back to the Life After Business podcast. Ryan Tansom here. Today's guest's name is Matt Chaup. Matt has a really interesting story, and it's a little bit different of a twist compared to some of the other interviews we've done because Matt still owns his company, and I came across his article on Inc. Magazine that was How to Run a Business Without You. Takes a different little spin on some of the John Warlow built to sell stuff that I have talked about in the past that most of you may or may not be aware of. And after doing some digging on Matt, what I really liked about it is he has created this business, MNE Painting, over in Colorado. And he's grown it to thrive without him. And what he's also done is he's an author, he's a speaker, and he goes out and he's got tons of hobbies. He's, he loves Spain, so he goes and travels to Spain all the time. He's very, very involved in jiu-jitsu, and he's an amazing father. And so he's got this really well-rounded dynamic balance that I think we all strive for. So I wanted to bring him on the show to hear how is it that he does it, what is it that he prioritizes in his life, and one of the greatest little takeaways that I had was that he prioritizes his passions and his family first and then fills in work around it. So without giving everything else away, here's the interview with Matt. Matt, how you doing? Doing good, Ryan. How are you? Doing good. I uh, really much appreciate you coming on the Life After Business show. Thanks for having me. Thanks for reaching out. And what I... I'm really interested about for having you on this show is it's a little bit different of a flavor than some of the other ep- uh, episodes I've had and the other guests that I've had is because um, I came across your article on Inc. and it was about ways to run your business without you. And so on our show, a lot of the guests are professionals associated with you know helping the owners get to that position or um, owners sharing their story about after they've um, after they've sold or after they've transitioned out and. What I really liked about your story after I uh, read that article is you kind of mastered the ability to make it run without you. You read some, uh, I wrote some books about it. So, can you give our listeners just a little bit of a backdrop of you know your story behind M and A or M and E painting? Why you started it, and then how you kind of transitioned your way into today. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, ba- backing up all the way to early childhood, you know, I've always, uh, I'd never fit into that traditional box of, hey, sit down, shut up, do your schoolwork, do what you're told. You know, just just growing up in school um, was always uh, in, into a lot of trouble and mischief. And I just always looked at things a, a very, a very different way and um, very much had the, the entrepreneurial spirit. As I see it in kids now, I can, I can recognize it right away. And, you know, I'll always mention something to a parent, hey, you know, your kid's got that just that entrepreneurial drive, they think different. Nobody really channeled that for me in school. So, so growing up, I, you know, I, I did well in school. I actually got great grades, but um, was labeled a lot as, hey, you know, this kid, he's got ADD. He can't pay attention. He's always running around. And, you know, it's like, well, keep, you know, keep him busy with stuff. You, you guys aren't keeping him busy. And um, I always felt my, my brain was just moving quicker than, than like my body could and my environment would, would, you know, want me to do things. So I started like peddling candy and shoveling snow, mowing lawns, just uh, doing things at a real young age, starting about 10 years old to, to just make money for myself. My parents said, Hey, you want to go buy this, go make your own money. So I did. And uh, that led into, um, you know, fast forwarding to the college years. I was at Colorado State University 
from 99 to 2003, and um, I got approached by a college painting company. They walked into like an early morning biology class one morning, and they said, hey, do you want to, uh, I think they said, learn about business with somebody else's money and possibly make like 10 or 20 grand during the summer. So I'd like, you know, bells went off. I raised my hand. <laughs> I, I'm like, money? Yes. I, I loved money, you know, growing up as a kid. I just, I, I was very driven by that. And um, yeah, so I signed up. And a couple months later, I'm, you know, like neck deep in, in the college painting uh, business. The college pro painters by chance? You know, it was uh, it was then called Student Works Painting, okay. uh, now called College Works Painting, but a very yeah, similar model to, uh, you know, taking your spring and summertime and uh, just going out and um, generating as much business as you can and kind of, kind of learning as you go in a way. It was a, it was a great experience, um, but I didn't think, Ryan, I didn't think like, hey, you know, 15 years later, I'm going to be talking to you about growing a, you know, a multi-million dollar painting company. I said, hey, this is cool. Uh, this is fun. The, the culture of the people that I spent a lot of time with back in college was like, hey, we're we're making a lot of money. Let's go spend it as quickly as we can. And, um, <laughs> Lots of bars to do that. I'm you know what? Yeah, it was. And, and we had fun, you know. But I mean, I, I spent four years um, painting houses and uh, made, made over six figures. But then I graduated college, like six figures in debt. So, I mean, the math equation just just wasn't working out for me. Um, I, you know, I graduated. And I said, ah, painting, you know, it's not sexy. I'm going to go into some kind of, you know, high-end sales position and uh, everybody at that time was was doing mortgages they were um, you know becoming mortgage brokers right and, and making tons and tons of money so I jumped into that business and um, I got out of it about as quick as I got into it um, March 2005 so I'm recently married I, I over leveraged uh, purchased a home like the bank paid me to buy a home I had school loans car loans uh, the American dream right and right. Um, I'm working at a bank and I and I hate life and just hate what I'm doing and uh, they had a, a management structure change. They had a new bank president come in, and this guy just came in, and you started seeing people going into his office to, to quote-unquote meet him, and, and then leaving with all their stuff in a box. And um, I was about fourth person in. He said, hey, hey, Matt, you know, you should go back and do that painting thing. We're making some changes. Get all your stuff, put it in a box, and like threw me out of the bank. And I was what, 20, 21, 22 years old, I think 22 at the time. So, you know, I'm standing there, have close to 200 grand in debt and literally no income source uh, anymore. And that was really the birth of, of M&D painting. I had about a 12 minute drive home, $100 left to my name. And um, I actually, I think, you know, I, I think I've told my wife this, we can tell her now it's going to be on a podcast. So <laughs> I, I might have called a couple of painters that I that I knew before I called her to tell her what happened. That was smart. And, yeah, I'm like, hey, I said, so I got home and I said, I have hey, a little got, bit of a plan. I, I was like, Emily, listen, I didn't call you first, but 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 we do have a plan. I said, I got fired, but we're going to go make this painting thing work. And then, you know, I went out and made some business cards and um, just went out and started pounding the pavement, knocking on doors and doing, you know, as much as I could to generate business. So, I mean, that's that's 15 years ago. That was maybe my first, say, 20 years of life in a, in a real quick tidbit. And, um, you know, pretty quickly we grew the business. We did about a half million in revenue our first year. And I, and I kind of stood back and said, wow, you can, you can do this on your own. Um, you know, I was able to do it. I was able to get my head above water and start paying some things off. And then I said, wow, you can really scale this. And, um, we just continued to, to grow the business. We hit uh, a million in revenue after year three, I believe over 2 million in revenue after year four or five, I think fifth year. Uh, and then we just kept scaling it and growing it. What are your, what are your revenues today? 
you know, we'll do between about two and two and a half million today. So we went, uh, as we continued to grow revenue, um, we, we kind of started mindlessly growing revenue and not really paying attention to the bottom line. Um, you know, the, the <laughs> top typical. line, the ego, the revenue, hey, I do this many millions. And, and you know, it doesn't matter when you don't take, there were, there were a couple of years where I was doing tons of revenue and, and making less than I did at, say, the half to three quarter million top line. So mm-hmm. um, we run it very lean, very mean. And, and I had a decision to make too, Ryan, of, hey, do I want to take this thing to the you know the franchise level the statewide the national level we're a very niched regional painting company and we're very lean and very mean so uh you know at two and a half million we're we're making a very good margin and um, i just decided at that point i i don't want to grow it geographically or change the business model just to produce uh more revenue or more profit i really decided to to step away from the daily operations and give some some room to my team to really run things without me. So that's what I spent the you know last couple of years doing and you know it's never perfect but perfecting over time. There's plenty of uh and actually uh there's a gentleman named Norm uh, Bratsky who wrote a book Street Smarts and uh he was addicted to revenue and he grew a 100 million dollar business and then had to file bankruptcy because <laughs> yeah, he's chasing yeah. it you're chasing the revenue and then it's like the roadrunner when you run off the cliff and then you look down and you realize there's no cliff left <laughs> we we were standing there i think at the end of 2010 no i was i was sitting on the front porch of of our home uh we we had a a, a division of our company that didn't work out and i was having a pretty tough conversation with with one of those people uh that was part of that and, and i just remember hanging up the phone with him looking at my P&L saying like, Emily, we made more when we were living in a little condo, like an upside down condo doing a half million bucks. And, and that really changed the, the direction at that point for us. So that, that kind of dives into, you know, one of the main reasons I wanted you on is because so many owners that are listeners, the people that I work with, it's not only chasing the revenue and, you know, they get in these industry groups where they're all preaching, like how big is your business? And it's kind of a way to measure each other. And, um, and their, their, their identity is so wrapped up into what their business is and who they are at their company and their customers and all that. You know, what was it? What, what was that fork in the road when you had to make a decision? Should I keep this more of a lifestyle business and grow it without me or to go national? Was there some kind of thing that really sparked you into one direction? Yeah, no, there there was. And I don't think there's a right or wrong answer. I mean, I've, I've talked to, uh, you know, a lot of companies, entrepreneurs that they, they love that big revenue, and they don't mind as much because they may have different outcomes or, or different goals that they're that they're looking for. But for me, it, it was really stepping back and saying, you know, what, what do I want? What is what is my vision for my life and for my family and for the people around me? Uh, you know, we're really big about being involved in our community and, and giving back to that. And I just, you know, I saw the direction of the company if I went you know, say left in the fork of, of big revenue and franchises, you know, a lot of, a lot of traveling and just a lot of things that didn't fit with my lifestyle and, and my value set. So, you know, I did, I had a lot of, uh, everybody's got their opinion and, and definitely in the entrepreneurial space, people have very, very strong opinions and you know, every, everybody gave me theirs. And I said, well, you know, that's, that's great. If this was your business and your life and your family and, and your values and mindset and lifestyle, then maybe that would work for you, but this is the way that I'm going to take it. And, you know, we had some people in the company that really appreciated the, the change of direction we decided to go in and they actually stepped up and, and advanced within the company. And then we had a, some, you know, some people that did not, so they left. And I think that was one of the best things that ever happened. But yeah, we just, you know, we really, I don't want to say planned our life on paper, but just sat down and um, we had young children at the time in 2010, 11, our, you know, uh, 
son was three, our daughter was just born, and, and it was a you know it was a great time. I was I was busy. I was I was spinning a lot in the uh, I'd say in the hamster wheel the first couple of years. So uh, that was very important and crucial for me. So was that. Um where kind of the dialogue in your head started was, is this what I want? Because I think, you know, the biggest challenges that I see, with, whether it was myself and my my dad and our business or other people that I talked to were, you know, you the decisions in always hindsight, like, oh my gosh, now I'm working too much and I'm traveling. I wish I wouldn't have done this, right? So like, yeah. I mean, you, you your epiphany or your awareness of your situation to plan your own life is unique on how you did it up front. So, you know, what was the conversation you had? Where Was it because you were working too much and you had this newborn or where do you think it sparked from? I, I, yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think, well, not, I think, I mean, I know a lot of people, they look back and say, Oh man, you know, look how much I traveled. I wish I never would have done that. And it's easy to, to look back and have those regrets. But I ask myself the question a lot, even now is okay. If I continue at the uh, pace, involvement, structure, you know, whatever it is, what, look at what I'm doing right now. If I continue this for, for 12 months, 24 months, three years, five years, what is, what is life going to look like if I keep up at this pace? Can I keep up at this pace? And is, is this uh, pace and direction and involvement of activities that I'm doing every day, is this really taking me where I want to go? So, I mean, I, I looked at that back then and I said, if I, if I continue you know, in 2015, if I keep doing what I'm doing in 2010, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be broke. <laughs> I'm going to be broke. I'm going to be really upset. And I'm going to have worked way too hard and missed a lot of family time um, just after this chase of, you know, say revenue or, mm-hmm. or whatever the chase was. And, and I think being, you know, being younger, you know, being a young man, you've got to go, go prove yourself to the world. And I think there was, there was probably some of that, um, you know, when you get into the, like I said, the entrepreneurial space, there's, there is always this like jockeying and who's got the bigger revenue or bigger, whatever, right. That everybody's yep. throwing around. And I just, I, I don't, I don't care about that anymore. So, you know, after you kind of make that decision by yourself or with your with your family, you know, when you went back to your employees, explain and walk us through the path that you took to explain it to your employees, to rebuild the vision, and how did that go and what were some of the things that you did? You know, I, yeah, no, I painted, I painted the picture of, Hey, if things, if things keep up at this pace, even for 24 months, we're not going to have a business. And I did, I came in and said, you know, we're not going to be sitting here as a company at the end of 2012, if we keep doing what we just did last year and, and say even the year prior. And, um, you know, here, here's not what we're doing and how we're doing it, but here's why we're going to make these changes. I said, I, you know, I don't expect all of you to be working as much as I did. And, and I could see, you know, I could see relief in some of the people that, that are still with me today. They're like, Matt, you know, I was getting ready to, to quit because, because I didn't want to do this anymore. Um, so I just painted it out. I said, Hey, in three years, here's, here's what things are going to look like. We're going to be a, a very local, very niched, um, you know, regional company. We're not going to serve customers here in these areas. Here's what we're going to start doing. Here's what we're going to stop doing. And, you know, you could really feel the energy in the room change as, as I was taking the team through that. So were you guys just chasing growth too much? Were you running in some cash crunch issues or were you over committing on some big national jobs or what were some of the breaking points? <laughs> Yeah, so to, to grow, you know, to grow geographically was was definitely tough. That involved a lot of uh, a lot of overhead that the revenue just didn't come in, uh, you know, at the at the same pace. We we made some really good decisions. We had some really good team members that joined the team at that time, but we also had uh, two, we we uh, expanded to two geographic territories. One was the the Denver market, and then one was Colorado Springs. And Denver, I think we were in the right place at the right time with the wrong person. Uh, Colorado Springs, we were 
probably the right time, wrong market with definitely the wrong person when we went to grow that. And, and I wasn't ready to manage or lead those people as well. So, I mean, I can't really blame it on them. It's, mm-hmm. it's really where I was in my, in my ability to lead, uh, you know, a personality style. Um, so that was, yeah, that was why that didn't work in the, in the big picture. So then as you know, you say that some people had some relief, was it, I'm assuming that's some of your back end office people, some of the people on your crews where they now see that they almost got a leader back and there's a new vision. I mean, so then how did you lay it out for those guys? Yeah. I mean, I just, I'm, I'm very transparent. I've always had the, the open book management concept where I said, Hey guys, here's our P and L, you know, you, you, mm-hmm. you're bringing all this money in, but here's what was left. And I mean, there was nothing left. There was, there was a negative profit that year and they, they didn't realize that. So I think once they saw that, they're like, so Matt, you're telling me that, you know, on top of us all working as hard as we did, you worked, you know, just as hard, if not harder. And, and you made no money. I was like, Yep, there you go. They're like, well, somebody's like, well, that doesn't make any freaking sense. So, well, what are you know, what are we going to do about it? And I yeah. said, well, here's you know, here's why. Um, it, one thing that was interesting is as our, we we had our highest revenue ever, but the revenue in our core market where we started the company was dropping. So as we were expanding into other markets, we were losing market share in our own market. So, you know, we all just sat around the table and it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't rocket science. It said, hey, if we focus all of our time, energy, attention, quality, everything that we stand for into this box on the map, we'll absolutely kill it and crush it. And um, there, there was really one person that wasn't super excited about that because I think he was into the big, hey, I want to help run a you know, multi-million dollar thing. And, um, and, and that just didn't work. So, uh, that was a, that was a good thing for us. So then, you know, as you shift your focus back to the, the stuff that you're really good at where you wanted to, um, like you said, in your marketplace crush it, then how do you, how did you figure out what to do next? Cause I, the reason I am uh, kind of teeing up for this question is because really running a business that runs without you is difficult. It's difficult emotionally, strategically, and also with the culture and understanding where you fit as an owner in that. So can you kind of shift the the conversation and kind of um, paint the picture of how you guys went about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I would say, Ryan, I wasn't, you know, 2010 when we recasted the vision and said, hey, here's what things are going to look like the next three years. I, at that point, I hadn't quite said, hey, I'm going to be stepping out of the business. I said, let's just get this thing as lean and mean and solid and just really root down deep in in the values and the vision of the company. And, and we spent the next three years doing that. Once we got it to that point, you know, I always from from day day one, I said, you know, it'd be great to be able to just have something that, that runs, that produces residual income where you, you're supporting other families. That was what we spent 2013, 14, and 15 doing. So once we got the business to a very, you know, solid, profitable, steady pace, really established and then still growing, I, I just started, I, I made a list of like, here's everything that I do on a daily basis, like from, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Here's everything I do. And then I went through and I, and I kind of redlined. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not accounts receivable. Like that's not my position. Why am I messing with that? Why am I worrying about that? So I literally started crossing things out and I was like, wow, I've 70% of my day. I am basically uh, taking the job away from my team. I'm a control freak. Like a lot of entrepreneurs are. Mm -hmm. So I would give somebody a role and, and give them, uh, you know, give them the the capacity to do that job. But then I'd jump in and, you know, it'd be, be like the helicopter parent, right? Just flying around. Hey, are you doing that? Okay. How's that look? And be too worried about anybody making a mistake. So I just slowly started really giving people the responsibility back that they should have had from the get go. Cause I kind of, kind of robbed it from them. 
And um, then I started taking mini vacations. So I'd say, you know, practically for your listeners, like this is all great, you know, but if you're taking notes, um, just, just make a list of what you do every day. And is, is that part of somebody else's job description? If, if not, and you say, no, I, you know, I, I, I'm doing what needs to happen. I don't have somebody for this. I say, you know, are you great at it? Are you excellent at it? Do you love doing it? Um, or is this potentially somebody else's thing? So if it's something that you're not good at doing, you hate doing, it's a $10 an hour thing, go, go find somebody to fill that position. So we really started tweaking that until I was pretty much out of, out of anything to do. Did, did that affect any of your employees and how they were viewing you and your worth at the business? You know, um, I think I think a few initially were like, oh, what are you, you know, you're going to have us do the, the work. I, I think people that thought I was doing it out of the fact of just being lazy or wanting to make money without doing anything, they they ended up really not lasting or sticking around long. Um, I think the biggest thing, and people said this, is, is I get in my own way. We, we were at a company growth uh, strategic meeting maybe 18 months ago, and somebody finally piped up, and because I've got, I've got a strong personality, they're like, Matt, you can't even, we can't even get this meeting finished because you can't get out of your own way in the meeting, so how the hell are we supposed to do anything? And, and they literally kicked, like, kicked me out of the meeting. Um, <laughs> I actually went and I remember I went and I jumped on a, on a buddy's podcast and uh, hung out with him for an hour. And then I came back maybe a couple hours later and they're like, yeah, we got a lot done without you. And um, it was it was a really proud moment. But it's also you know kind of like that moment. I've got young kids, but if anybody's got you know kids that are moving out of the house or have gotten to a point in life where they don't need you for certain things anymore, it's a proud moment. But it's also kind of a change in, in your identity. And well, what do I do now? Um, so it was it was a cool it was a cool time in the business. So um, I want to know what you, how you decided what you wanted to do next. But before we go into that, is um, you know, with with these employees that are that are supporting your absence in the business, did you have any kind of transition plan, or that were they just happy because life was better on a day to day basis, or you know, where do you balance? Because there's a lot of our listeners that struggle with the key you know, the key employees who are then all of a sudden now they've got the tribal knowledge and there's either the golden handcuffs or they paid them with cash or equity. There's just all this convolution between how you can do it. Right. Yeah. We, we went through, uh, we actually went through a, uh, it's called a strat up process. It's actually part of the Patterson process. So, um, we, you know, we didn't just say, Hey, you know, Matt, you're stepping away. Um, we, we gave very detailed structure. Hey, what, you know, what is the outcome? What is the vision? Why does our business exist? You know, what are the key things that need to happen in each department with each person? And, and we really lined that out. And then, I mean, when I stepped out after that, it was definitely, you know, I'd say I went through, uh, kind of an identity crisis of, you know, that's what I've been doing for the last 10, 12 years. So, and, and it was tough because it was kind of like a pendulum. I was, I was so involved. And then I stepped really far back. I think I stepped a little too far back and, and needed, but we set those boundaries. So, so it was okay. We, we had to give the people their space to do that. But I think now, I mean, exactly today where I sit, um, we've got a really good balance. I'm, I'm involved in some of just the bigger vision casting and, overall strategic planning, but really letting everybody else execute. So what helped you, you know, when the pendulum went back and back forth, uh, back to kind of equilibrium, what were some of the things that you did to personally better yourself to, to make that equal equilibrium happen? So, I mean, one of the things that, that we had never really done was to be able to, we, we like to travel. I spend a lot of time in Spain, but we, we actually took a family vacation for eight weeks 
uh, to Spain. So we spent the entire summer in Spain. So I mean, for me, like geographically removing myself from, from that environment to really see what the business could do was was very important. Um, and I think just I've got, uh, I think entrepreneurs, they have their own internal gauge, at least I feel that I do, of, of just if it, you know, if it feels right. And it, there were certain things still that didn't feel right at that point. So when I, when I came back from my trip, um, you know, we kind of regrouped and, and rehuddled as a company and kind of t- retightened some things up and just you're always redefining, you know, as, as the business is growing and, and morphing. Well, what, what's pretty cool about what you've done too is, well, first of all, you've got, you had time on your side, right? I mean, like you're, you've got time to figure out where that equilibrium is. You've given yourself the, the leeway to, and the freedom to be able to see what that is. And, um, I, I, I feel like a lot of people, they, they're scared to death of that eight week vacation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and, and I mean, and I won't lie, there, there were times when I mean, I would I would, you know, log in and see what the business is doing. I mean, I would think about the business and, and that, you know, that's all there. But it was uh, that was the longest amount of time that I was ever able. Now, I wouldn't um, I wouldn't recommend that to somebody who's like, hey, I want to I want to build a business someday that runs without me. I'm going to take off during the peak season. <laughs> For, for two months is I, I was, uh, I'm, I'm a little ADD. I started saying a few minutes ago is I started taking little mini vacations. So if, if you're an entrepreneur and, and you're like, man, I'm, you know, I'm working 12 hours a day, 15, 18 hours a day. I wake up, I work, I go to sleep. I do that seven days a week. Okay. Well then just do it six days a week next week. Just take Sunday off. And if, if the, you know, world is still spinning and spinning around the sun and your business is still there, great. You've got a little win. Um, now try to take the weekend off in a couple of weeks and then, okay, can we get your 18 hours down to, you know, to 12 hours or 10 hours? So I started doing that, um, you know, in very small increments and then, you know, take a week off and then two weeks off and three weeks off, um, till, till you get to a point to where, you know, Hey, can you take a really big chunk of time off and and have things still, uh, still run without you? It's like it's the true four-hour work week for the entrepreneur, right? Yeah, and and I read that book, and I think everybody wants to do it in just one big, you know, one big leap and one big bite, and <laughs> right. uh, and that's that that was tough. So, um, you know, one of the the challenges that I personally have, and I know a lot of my clients or listeners have, is that the business is one of the most rewarding parts of my day. You know what I mean? Like where if you, it's yeah. my clients, it's the, my vendors, my partners, and you've got, you're, you're living on this high all day long because it's just, it, it, you're getting this constant feedback, how well you're doing. You know, what was it? I read one of your blogs, you know, that kind of alludes to this, but what was it that it started you in a different journey of getting the identity outside of just your business? Yeah, no, that's huge. I, I think because I just did spend uh, so much time in it. You know, I, I never grew up. I was never the kid that was like, you know, uh, the best looking or best in sports, uh, wasn't the most popular kid. Like what I really excelled at that, that gave me positive identity and, and really gave me a lot of value and, and just stability and security just as a, as a young boy and a man was business. Like I, yeah, I wasn't going to be on the football team and I was always running, you know, probably last lane in, in the track race, but you know, you give me a business deal, like I'm, I'm going to crush it. I'm going to win like that. That's my thing. So that was always just what I invested in and really leaned into. So when I when I grew so much of my identity based around that, and then I had to step away, I was like, okay, well now I've got to look at you know what kind of what kind of husband am I being, what kind of father am I being, um, you know maybe maybe you can go out and try some sports now and, and compete at you know that that kind of thing. So that was it was just tough for me because that's where I really found um, a lot of my identity and, and values in, in a positive light. 
that makes if that makes any sense. No, no, it does. And yeah. um, well, it's kind of like the whole Mark Cuban, right? Where business is the ultimate sport; it doesn't stop. It's twenty four seven. It it is, yeah. And it's always just it's it's hardwired into me, and it's just something that never never goes away. You know, but but I think what you've done a very good job at is, I mean, whether it's the jujitsu or Spain or all these things that you are talking about to make yourself more dynamic outside of your company. I mean, was it something like? Was it a passion that was kind of a glimmer and then you just, you know, breathe into it to make it a little bit more of your life? Or like, how did you start to, you know, make yourself more well-rounded with some of these other passions? Because I think it's trying to find that passion outside of business. That's the challenge. You know, it, it was. Yeah. So, I mean, I've always I've always loved, you know, kids as, as I was growing up. And, uh, you know, the reason I, I started learning and, and really diving into Spanish and you know, I'm fluent in Spanish travel a lot to Spain was I started volunteering at, at an elementary school in uh, in high school when I was still in high school. So I started doing a lot of uh, translating there. And um, that, you know, that just little by little led into my passion for, you know, for Spanish and having that that part of me that, you know, as, as a hobby and an interest. But, you know, the jujitsu was a really cool thing. I started um, kind of late high school, early college started, I actually got bullied a lot growing up. So I started lifting the weights, you know, and getting big and doing, doing all that. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember I, I stepped into a, a jiu-jitsu academy in uh, Loveland, the city I lived in, and I was a big, you know, big meathead guy. I could bench press this and, you know, whatever. And I walk in there and I'm like, hey, you guys want to, you know, what are we what are we doing here? What do you guys, you guys are in pajamas, like rolling around with each other. That's kind of silly. And, and one of the guys goes, uh, uh, hey, why don't you go with that guy over there? You know, like this, since this is your first class, you know, just, just, they said, take it easy on him. I'm like, yeah, I'll take it easy on him. The dude's and, like over there yeah. breaking bricks in half or something. No, no. I mean, <laughs> he was, I was probably 200 and some odd pounds, you know, big, you know, 26 year old. They, they put me with like a 15 year old kid. He's like half, you know, almost half my age. He's half my size. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. Right. <laughs> and, and go out there and he just, you know, jujitsu is all, uh, it's grappling on the ground. It's leverage, it's technique, it's using, you know, somebody's energy against them and I go after this kid and 10 seconds later I'm like choking on my own arm you know and and then choking on my own pant leg it was crazy and I'm like almost crying and they're just absolutely embarrassed but I I said man if this you know if somebody that size can do this to me um, this this is effective this is really cool so that's actually been a a very um, a very positive thing in my life jujitsu very much correlates and aligns with just business and uh, a person's journey through life and the, the challenges and the pressure and you know positions you get into in life really when you're out on the mats grappling it's it's a really cool thing so that's become just a big big part of my life have you ever read the book uh, the art of learning no I have not so gosh I can't remember the guy's name um uh, the dude from um, the book uh, about ch- the chess champion, uh, the search for Bobby Fischer. It's okay. about that book was written about him, and so he was a, a, like a grand master at chess at the age of like twenty, and then he got bored of that, and then he went and became a jujitsu master, and then a tai chi master, and he's gone. He, and this whole book is about literally how to break something down to the bare bones and then build it back up. So he's the whole book is about it's kind of similar to I'm just kind of rambling here, but when you can take something down to the bare truth and then you build it back up, kind of when you're talking about jujitsu, it's like business and life where there's a lot of similarities because you're having to learn something so new and and having to to progress at it. Yeah, no, I I I have I think I've heard of the book, haven't haven't read it, but yeah, I mean that's um you know back to the initial question of just kind of opening up other doors into my life. I mean, I'd say I spend more time now outside of business with, with those passions than I do in business, but, but business is still a passion. So like, I never feel like I'm working. Somebody would, 
you know, look at me right now and say, hey, it's 1.30, Matt's working. But like, this isn't work for me. I love, I love doing this stuff. So did it take the 15-year-old uh, pinning you and choking on your own arm before you started to figure out that you wanted to, to dive into that and have a new passion? Well, I was like, you know, weightlifting doesn't matter. Because I remember, you know, back in the, back in the college <laughs> days, you know, I was a big, big weightlifter. And we were, you know, we were maybe out drinking one night. Maybe I got mouthy and maybe got beat up by four guys. I, <laughs> I realized then, I'm like, okay, four-on-one weightlifting definitely didn't help me. But that was, like, that was an interesting moment. It's like, you know, you can, and, and for business, right? Like, I talk to once, twice a week, I have a painting contractor, right, that wants to jump in and become a business owner. And, you know, they go, I don't have money. I don't have resources. I don't have painters. You know, I don't have all of these things. And it's the same thing. It's like, how how do I com- compete with the million dollar businesses? And I said, well, if, if a 130 pound, 15 year old kid can choke out a big 200 pound bench pressing, you know, maniac, on, on the mats of jujitsu, here's how you can use the same things. I mean, how I grew my painting company, how I leveraged what I had and, and how I put it out there at the right time. And I you know, would wait for maybe the competition to push a little bit and then I'd pull or I'd fit in somewhere else. Um, those are all the same, same kind of roles. So, um, that's, it's been a huge tie in for me. So, um, what, it, you know, on an average, an average week, an average month or year, like what, where's your time allocation between all these different things? Cause I mean, you're also an author and speaker. So how are you distributing your time and, and how are you managing that? Yeah. I mean, I, I feel what I like to do is fill in everything. And again, I love business, so it's not really work for me, but uh, you know, I, I love waking up and working out. I love to go have, uh, take my kids to the school bus every day. Uh, I like to go once a week, I go have lunch at my kid's school once a week. You know, I go work, have ice cream with the kids to do homework. So I just, I, I schedule all of these things that I love doing. When am I, you know, teaching the kids jujitsu? When am I training jujitsu? When are we traveling? And then work just kind of fills in that, that empty time. Um, but, but again, it's not work. So it's, so it's all fun. So, I mean, I don't know, percentage wise, we're, we're seasonal. So in the summertime, um, you know, I'm also involved in, in real estate as well. So in, in the summer, we're very busy, just the painting business needs more, you know, big, big picture attention. There's more real estate stuff happening. And then the wintertime, like right now, it's a little bit slower. So you know, I'm enjoying a little bit more time with the family. So it's not, it's not, there's no such thing as as equal balance all the time there's always something that's going to be a little slanted or shifted one way or the other yeah i I think you're right but man i think you really hit on something that most of the entrepreneurs i know that don't do which is you're scheduling your 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 family your your personal time and then building the rest around your business in the rest which i think is just in itself instead of even that sort of eight week vacation is just flip-flopping the priorities and the schedule like that. I mean, that can shed some serious light on like where you're spending your time and why. Um, I, I've, I don't know a whole lot of people that do that. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's, and, and that was one of the conversations that you know that we had when I started seeing the kids grow up and everything. And I just said there are certain things. I mean, I don't care if you throw a throw a million dollar deal down in, in front of me. I mean, I'm having. Chick-fil-A or Subway, I'm bringing it to my kid's school once a week. And like, they know that I'm going to be there. And I think just that, that presence and that time there, that's, that's so valuable in, you know, in a, in a child's life. Um, I wouldn't sacrifice that for, for anything. So. And do you think, well, first of all, just props for that, because that's, you're putting what really matters to the top of the list. But also, do you think, do you think that you making sure that that's a priority made you a better business owner? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I feel that, um, you know, I, I end up being more, more effective, more, uh, you know, efficient, whatever you want to call it, definitely more profitable when, when I put business last in terms of priority than, than really focusing on it all the time. It's just been a, and I don't think it's any coincidence at all. Um, 
You've got two books out there, I believe. Um, I, I, I saw on your website you've got that other one. Um, it starts with it's the flag one. Um, I have not read that one. Um, you know that actually is not is not out. So I have um, I, I have one book out right now. Uh, Become an award winning company yep. that came out in two thousand two thousand eleven. Yeah. So I, I wanted to because you're you're giving a lot of good advice to, to business owners. So what, what sparked the, the reason behind the writing of the book and what's your kind of the, the vision or the mission that you want to push out with it? Yeah. So as probably 2008, two, three years in, into business, I started getting a lot of people saying, Hey, will you come, you know, speak at this business group, DECA high school leadership conference, you know, things like that. And, and marketing was never my thing. I've, I've never taken a business class and I'm actually awful at painting. Like I, I don't know how to paint a house and I run a house painting company. Um, but, but just marketing was something that always really clicked for me. So I started speaking about marketing and, um, I had to speak at a conference and, um, there was like one presentation that I did at the time. This is literally how the book was born. It wasn't like a big aha thing. It's, it's kind of funny. And, and I said, well, here's my presentation. And the um, organizer said, well, you need to give us two things and we need to pick. And I was like, well, I only have one thing that I talk about. And she goes, <laughs> well, if you want to talk here, you better have two things by tomorrow at four. So I'm like, okay. And um, I had been speaking a lot. We had won a lot of awards over the past two or three years. This is like 2010. And I was like, okay, well, so I emailed her back and I said, well, I have a presentation about how to become an award-winning company. Here are the steps to win business awards and leverage them. And I'd never spoken about it, say officially. Um, I'd done, you know, one-on-one consulting about it. And she goes, oh, I really like that one. We'd love to have you present. So I'm like, crap, now I've got to put something <laughs> the together. One thing, it's right, official. Yeah. Dang it. And, and went out. Yeah, you know, went out and delivered it, and I had a lot of people lining up and, and following up. And I said, "Wow, this is a this is a pretty cool concept." I go, "I think this is one of the reasons we really grew." So I went out and started interviewing other business owners, all the way from you know a guy that was selling board games out of his garage to uh, Dave Ramsey. Uh, you know, if, if you're a Dave oh, Ramsey yeah. listener, Absolutely. I interviewed him. I interviewed um, the CEO of Otterbox. They make the little phone yeah, cover no cases. Way. Yeah, Kurt, he's a, a local local company here in town. So. I just started putting all of this content together and then yeah the the book was to say hey how can how can we give the right the little 130 pound guys that are 15 years old and they're up against this big competitor big challenge like how can you give the little people in business uh the tools to to grow and uh, one of the things that we really did I made a focus on was winning business awards and uh here's the step by step process of how to find them how to apply for them, how to win them, and then how to leverage them to, you know, to make yourself look like one of the big guys without spending a whole lot of money, if if any money at all. I, I love it. And did, what what were some of the epiphanies that you had as you were interviewing some of these these big names in business? You know that, that every entrepreneur really has their their own journey, and it doesn't like at the end of the day, everybody that I interviewed it does said it does not matter what you think or what you say about your customers or about yourself about your own company. It's what your customers, what the community, and what other people say and think about you that that's really going to ultimately build your brand. Um, you you can go out and say you're the you know coolest thing since sliced bread, but if if the people out there in the community don't believe it and aren't saying that, you're not going to be around too long. And that that is very well said because it's all about your reputation, right? I mean, it's yeah. your reputation follows you everywhere. So, what about the plant your flag book? So that one is not out yet. No, you know that was actually that was a concept that that uh, I had put together in 2014, and I uh, just never just never finished it. It's still it's still there. It's just not officially out and uh, published yet. So what what is what are some of the things that are you know 
on your docket for 2017 as you're you got your your all these different things going i mean is there anything that you're planning to accomplish in the next 12 to 24 months that you're pretty excited about yeah yeah absolutely and and you know back to the theme on the book one of the things that i didn't get into much and and i'd encourage entrepreneurs is you know go out and, and try things there are a lot of things that that, that I've started and I'd start down the path and then say, you know what, I, I don't think this is the right direction or the right time. So I, you know, pump the brakes on them. Um, but moving, you know, moving forward into 2017, that the painting business, we're just continuing to slowly grow that and establish that. I mean, that's really the, the, the lifetime goal for that is just to be a, just a phenomenal family company here in Northern Colorado that, that just takes care of the community and, you know, the people in it. Um, real estate has been a passion of mine for a really long time. I actually uh, received my, my real estate license maybe two months ago. So I've been, uh, yeah, thank you. That was crazy. Um, I, I've been actively involved in that, but I mean, I'm really looking forward to just hanging. My kids are growing and spending a lot of time with them. We're looking to do some more traveling. Um, I, uh, I'm at a pretty, uh, been doing jujitsu for quite a long time and I have some big goals with that uh, in terms of, uh, pursuing my black belt, you know, over the, over the coming years. And, uh, that's a big thing for me, but yeah, just continuing to uh, challenge myself and, and push myself every day. I love it. So, you know, when you're out doing the speaking and stuff is what are the, what's your favorite thing to talk about? What's your favorite piece, piece of advice that you like to give business owners? Um, you know, I, I like using just re, you know real life stories, real life examples from my experience in, in business, and the the one that I love sharing is uh, the painted baby story. And I don't know if you if you read it or came across it, but um, we were painting a house in two thousand, I think it was seven or eight, and uh, we accidentally we had a paint sprayer blow up on accident, and it it absolutely covered this customer's baby in paint we, we, we <laughs> no painted way. a baby yeah and and the story i mean it's it's a little long to get into but to paraphrase it um you know we we had a paint sprayer blow up almost killed a lady's baby and the way that we handled that situation and, and ended up making it right was you know one of our biggest say referral engines or pieces of, of marketing so I, I talk to businesses a lot about not trying to puff yourself up and give everybody the a plus resume but just to be real and share those those stories that really connect with people at, at just the heart level that you know somebody could really relate to and go oh my gosh what if that happened at my house you know how would I feel what would I do and well well here's what we did and um, really just using using your worst to, to really show people your best I think in this day and age um, you know, 20 years ago, you used to be able to hide the fact or sweep something under the rug that, you know, maybe your business didn't do well on. But but now with social media and just the way people can instantly communicate stuff that's going on, um, there, there's no hiding it. So, I mean, I think people and companies that are being just absolutely authentic and owning their their best, you have to do that, but own your worst and, you know, show people what you do to make it right. Awesome advice. And, I, you know, to take it one step farther too is like how... Did you get your, because having a self-sustaining business without you, how did you get that authenticity and the that reputation and your values instilled in your company so they could handle something like that without you? Because I think that's the biggest scary threat that every owner has. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I, I think being around as, as much as I did and just, you know, being consistent when, when the leader 
and the owner to, to whatever degree and capacity they're involved, say in daily ops, when they are just consistent with their their value set and the way that they do things and the team really starts to see that, um, you'll you'll see where people don't fit in when when everything is just based around the value set so much. When when you see somebody that's not adhering to that, they they mm-hmm. stick out like a like a sore thumb. I mean it's just it's it's very easy to spot. So we we kind of weeded that out over time. But I mean you just you people get used to I go to a meeting and I sit down and I shut up and I listen to what everybody's saying. And I mean, when that's like, oh, that's that's what Matt would say. That's what Matt would do. And they make that decision without me. That's when I knew I was on the right track. Yeah, no, very good point. I is If there's anything that we haven't touched on or if there's anything that you want to leave our listeners with, um, what would it be? I, gosh, we hit we hit on a lot. Um, yeah, you know, I just I think back, and I don't know where all your listeners are in their journey. You know, you've got people that are that are starting new businesses that are maybe stepping out, transitioning out of a business. Um, it, it's it's a fun, exciting journey. I'd say if you're just entering the, the space of hey, do I want to go start something and jump? Just just jump, you know, uh, ju- jump in and give it a try. And then one of the things I think that was big for me. Ryan is when I when I stepped out is like for me I'll never retire. I thought oh I'm going to step out and let the business run without me and I'm just going to hang out and like I I really needed to fill in that space pretty quick. So entrepreneur entrepreneurialism is uh, uh, not not a not a disease like a bad thing, but it's like once you get that in your blood and your veins, <laughs> you it's sit and still. Re- yeah, it's really hard to get rid of. So I realized when I really stepped away and go oh I'm going to retire. It's like I'll never retire. Um, you know, I'm going to continue to do this for, for the rest of my life till, till the day I die. And, you know, it may morph, it may change. I may start something and not have it, you know, come to fruition and change lanes or, you know, change maps, but uh, it's, it's fun. Just, just go at it and just be authentic and be you and don't be so worried about what, what everybody thinks or what you think you need to be for other people. Matt, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Lots of great nuggets of wisdom. Thanks so much. Hey, thanks Ryan. 